Hello everyone, this is Mac. Um, Just a heads up, if you're listening to this podcast right now, this is a part two of our two-part series with um, our guest Ryan Arnold. Um, He used to be my old editor at Business Insider and um, has a lot to share about loneliness. Um, It's a great conversation. Um, So if you haven't seen the first episode, it might be worth going in your feed, going over there, taking a look at that, and um, you you have a better sense of what's going on in part two. But um, for everyone else, here's Ryan Arnold. Anyways, the, re- the, you know, the bigger reason why we have Ryan on today, I think, uh, you know, in a nutshell, you're going to tell us why us as podcasters are ruining the world, right? <laughs> Basically. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm acutely aware of uh, the irony in the, just inherent to the nature of my appearance on this pod tonight, um, because I'm, I'm here to talk to you, the listeners, about why what you're doing right now might not be the best thing for you ryan's gonna save your life potentially so listen i, listen I don't i don't know if i'd go that far um i know that it might sound right now uh like i'm talking directly to you like we're all talking directly to you uh forgive me for breaking the fourth wall here for a moment but i i want to state emphatically that we're not we're not we're not talking to you we're talking to each other and we're recording this and this is a distinction that I hope will become uh, clearer and more useful as our conversation progresses. Why do we listen to podcasts? I want to say at the outset that I um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, a little less so lately um, because of a just a concerted effort on my part, but... Uh, if we flash back to like maybe a month ago, I was listening to probably an average of six hours, five to six hours of podcast content a day. Uh, I'd gotten to a point where every moment, uh, more or less of my time that was unoccupied by other activities was soundtracked by the noise of other people. Um, a lot of what I listened to is probably predictable, um, I just want to take a second to shout out Brian Lair, uh, radio host on WNYC, who runs, I think, like one of the uh, only true democratic spaces available in the world uh, in his in his call in show. Um, but I went I went beyond just listening to that. I I I found ways to fill every uh, every waking moment, more or less, with the noise of other people's conversations. I think that we love podcasts largely because they keep us company. We listen, we listen to podcasts during those interstitial moments of our day when we're doing mundane, tedious things like commuting, washing the dishes, folding laundry, taking a shit, cooking, walking to the store, whatever. Um, they, they engage our attention, right? A lot of people listen to podcasts because, uh, because they, they, they want to learn. They want to, to, to be informed about things. A lot of people listen to podcasts because they're entertaining, because they're funny, 
um, like this one pretends to be. <laughs> it's, just, it's a key pretends is the is the key part of it. But no one's. No it's one's, really not. No one's. No um, one's really fooled. The it, ultimate. Ef- the ultimate effect is that podcasts make boring things feel less boring. We love them also because they offer us a comforting alternative to the experience of being silently alone with ourselves. That experience for so many of us always holds this threatening possibility of pivoting into a crushing sense of loneliness. This is especially true for certain types of people, myself included, uh, who feel constantly at risk of being alone with one's thoughts, which is to say being alone and at the mercy of one's thoughts. Um, That can provoke enormous anxiety. Right. And, you know, I, I would... I would um, be so bold as to interject and to just just to make notice of like uh, there certain like certain verbiage, which can I think seem like seem rather insignificant, but actually I think speaks volumes, which is the degree to which um, we're concerned with being alone, but also with like being being lonely. Completely. Yeah, this is this is a crucial distinction to mark. It's a crucial distinction because I think a lot of people who might be listening to this might say, well, I'm alone right now. Like, uh, that's fine. Like, I uh, I have like so many means of uh, entertaining myself and and keeping my myself uh, sort of interested and 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 stimulated um, that don't really fully articulate like what what um i guess the loneliness of uh, of of the current age really entails um totally and yeah well so i would i would love for you to speak a little bit more about that because we we i think we all know like okay fine we live a little bit of a of a digitally mediated lifestyle but um you know that's not necessarily revolutionary to most people right so I, I, I want to note first that I think loneliness is maybe the the defining aspect of what we could call like the cultural experience of life under surveillance capitalism. Um, okay. Good. For the purposes of our conversation tonight, I want to define loneliness as uh, the experience of um, an acute awareness of the self's inadequacy to itself. Yes. That's really good. Will you expand a bit? Yeah, yeah. Maybe talk a little bit more about. I think that's that's right on. Like, what does that mean? The inadequacy of the self to itself. It's it's um it's the experience of uh when you're alone with yourself and you don't even have yourself for company, right? This is why it's possible for us to feel lonely. Uh, or to experience loneliness when we're in the presence of the people we love most, when we're um, in a in a group, uh, it's the sense that there is something missing with the, within oneself. It's the sense of that uh, being incomplete internally. That's extremely interesting to me. Um, and like we're gonna, I think we will uh, throughout this conversation get into some of the nitty gritty of this a bit more. Um, and like, I think that's the whole thing that's really exciting about having you on the podcast in the first place is like, um, sort of taking things apart at the timber level of like, 
why do we feel so shit about um, technology and like yeah. all of these various little means that we're supposed to sort of, uh, I don't know, um, equivocate and like uh, yeah, max and like, you know, um, min max these little things that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I want to, you know, I guess before I, before I, uh, yeah, before I sign off for the, for the, for the distinct little moment, the petite moment of this, of this, uh, of this, uh, this dialogue is like, why is it that we, that we, that we feel so, uh, yeah, insecure and like in, inefficient, um, I, I, Go ahead. Go ahead, Mac. Well, I was going to, maybe it's like a, a double part of that, but I was going to add just as like a, it's a, maybe a dumb question, but just something for, you know, people listening to kind of get from your perspective is like, what, I feel like there's always been things that people latch on to that like occupies their time in your perspective. Like what's different about podcasts uniquely, right? Like, so yeah, good question. this is, good this question. is, this is a fantastic question. Um, Maybe the precursor to the direct precursor to like the way that so many of us use podcasts is television. Um, there's there's that um, the it's it's probably my favorite um, David Foster Wallace essay um, about irony and and television. Uh, e e nebus plurum. Uh, he writes extensively there about uh, the role that watching television plays in mitigating the experience of loneliness. Um, you know, before podcasts, before streaming, we would turn the TV on just to have noise in a space to keep us company. Um, what, what is unique about the role that podcasts play in, you know, our attempts to address our own loneliness, I think has to do with their availability and also with uh, the medium in which, or the medium through which we consume them, which is to say that, like, uh, unlike with the television, unlike with other forms of distraction that have been available to us in the past, um, podcasts are a ubiquitous presence. We can carry podcasts with us in the car, on the train. We can listen to them while we take a shit, while we take a shower. Um, they can keep us company while we're walking to the store. Um while we're falling asleep. The last one isn't terribly unique to podcasting, but I think uh, for reasons that might become clear later on in the conversation, um, fall, like listening to podcasts while you fall asleep is, is to me particularly uh, frightening. Um, pernicious is a great word. Yeah. If there's any, maybe this is just me, but an element of specifically the podcast um, and the ones that are, it's not all podcasts, but the ones that happen to do the best is like, I think what unites them is that they tend to be more personal and relatable than a lot of other type of media. Well, I think, and I think I that like related that, yeah. to like that other, not only is it with you everywhere and mobile, but it's also like, kind of like you have little, little friends with you at all times. Is that you make absolutely sense, do right? You absolutely, you, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, so a lot of a lot of my argument about podcasts and loneliness hinges on Arendt, uh, the work of Hannah Arendt, um, and it's at this point that I think it's worth mentioning that, like, you know, Arendt really emphasizes the fact that um, 
the dialogue as a form of conversation, which for her is, is, you know, identical to the act of thinking. She calls thinking the soundless dialogue of the I with myself or the I with itself. Um, Arendt following Aristotle notes that the dialogue is, is the form of interaction that's most germane to friendship. And if we, if we consider the fact that like dialogue is what happens when I am alone with myself and in conversation with myself, which is to say when I am alone and, and in thought, um, to replace that dialogue with the dialogue of other friends with whom I also feel myself a friend. Uh, the, the, the replacement that occurs there, I, I think is profound and worth considering seriously. Because to speak, to speak directly to the listeners here, I do not know you. I would not call myself your friend. Doing so, calling myself your friend, while I might be friends with you, at some point, calling myself your friend now without ever, without ever having met you cheapens the idea of friendship. It, deeply, yes. That's interesting. And, yeah. I, and, and I think it's like, my perspective is merely that it's no accident that, um, you know, coming to the, coming to the conclusion that um, a Twitch streamer who plays a game that I grew up on... Um, and who I can like, you know, find some recognizable traits in, um, and is it would easily become my friend. Like, I think that's no accident to some degree. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying there's some grand conspiracy, but I, I also do think that, um, it's not an accident, or it's not, it's, it's not worth nothing that, um, you know we're being given opportunities to just uh, find these like cheap simulacra of, of, of friendships and, and meaningful relationships um, in these like, in these sort of, uh, sort of cheap digital modes. Um, consider, consider, uh, Jonah, consider the Twitch comment stream. To whom, to whom are you speaking? in a Twitch comment stream. Are you speaking to other people there? Are you there with friends? Are you interacting with people? The pace, the pace of that comment stream is, uh, unmanageable. Um, you, you are interacting. If there is a friend to be found within a Twitch streamer, it is the streamer themselves, right? Well, it is, it is not, yes, it is not the other people on well, the channel. Ideally it is, but, it, but it, it also never, I mean that's like an un an unsatisfiable ideal because you know thousands of people are chattering on the stream in hopes of being recognized by the streamer and yet they never will be. And so, well, uh, un unless you monetize it, right? Unless unless you pledge, you know, whatever number of bits or however number of you know subs that you want to that you want to give. Uh, and in 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 hopes of in hopes of getting recognition and a shout out from the streamer. This was a broader. I mean, in general, not just Twitch, but other things yeah. as well. This, I, I, you know, I for what it's worth, my position is I agree in general that like I do think that attitude and relationship with podcasts is I view it as a problem. However, like as a devil's advocate, though, could you not make the argument that like in the modern 
world, especially in like developed countries, people are more isolated than they've ever been. And like having these sort of simulations of community and simulations of like connection is better than having nothing at all. Right. I feel like that's what some people would say is that like, you know, I vibe with like the Reddit, the Reddit form for like my podcast I listen to or whatever, you know what I mean? And it's like, it gives you some sense of community. I I am tripping over myself to agree with you, Matt. Um, I'm so as as someone who grew up online, um, like as someone who's like proud to say that I'm from the internet. And and um, and, and can we maybe if 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 we may impose as a podcast, like can we can we get some some uh some milestones, some standing stones? Like if you were to erect a Stonehenge, like you know what were your what were your what were your um your major the sites uh, of choice like yeah the places your sites to, of choice yeah, like your your four chans your so on and so forth because i also grew up online um and i feel like it really kind of made me who i was to a large extent i was an xbox boy i'll tell you i'll tell you that xbox yeah. and but, but please continue please please uh, make wanna, the point well, that you just were going to, to make your point in the first Jonah, place. i want to i want to first just shout out uh slash b fuck all of you you people are deranged <laughs> um those are the uh, worst people. Oh, just just absolutely unhinged. Um, we, we do not uh, we do not pay them I any was, tribute. I was I was uh, I was on I was on B like back when Moot was still part of 4chan. So before things really went off the rails, um, like I remember, I saw I saw Moot speak at Otakon in two thousand five. That's I'm really like I'm really telling a lot about myself here. Um, I actually but, I asked uh, you to ask to to say something, but I, I I didn't I had never I didn't fear that you would say even that, and therefore <laughs> yeah. Now we're gonna have um, to right. Yeah. Were you yeah. were you a live journal dude at any point? I was. Oh, I was totally. Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually just found my old live journal, um, and I was I was uh, so relieved to realize that like. I had only written in it during like the latter half of my sophomore year of high school. Um, and there were only about a dozen entries, but, uh, before I move on, I also want to shout out the mega Tokyo forums. Say that again, Um, mega Tokyo. The, yeah, mega Tokyo, the web comic, um, you know, uh, like 14, 15 year old me solicited a lot of advice from, uh, just strangers on, uh, on the mega Tokyo forums. Um, I was a little, I was a little, uh, old for Reddit, I guess. Um, I love, I love Reddit. I think that, you know, Reddit is very interesting now, but it wasn't around when I was, uh, at my most, most vulnerable age. Um, so what I was saying though, is that I think, um, for, for a certain generation of people and for a certain kind of person within that generation, uh, there is there is legitimate comfort to be found online. Um, I I will be the last person to denigrate the idea of online friendships or the the idea that uh, the kind of comfort and companionship that one can find digitally is is somehow less than um, uh, you know the 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 uh, meat space equivalent. The meat space, yes. Well, I I think. I think this is a is a is a good opportunity or or a medium by which to get into 
yeah, like some of the some of the larger questions, man, and some of the Arentian questions say about you know the difference between loneliness and solitude, and like absolutely. You know, I think one of the things that was really exciting to me about like having you on the podcast in the first place, which was uh you know the opportunity to uh square up and 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 sort of uh engage with larger questions about like why the fuck did me and Mac even have a pod start a podcast in the first place? What why is every why does everyone have a podcast like? Yeah, I hope I hope to God you don't you don't hope that I can answer that. Well, please, please. you cannot, but we can, and the answer is, uh, you know, is 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 tragically mundane. But I think there's something to be said for, um, yeah, the 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 masculine urge to to quote a to quote a to quote a meme of late. Uh, to start a podcast, I mean, what do you, what do you think about the difference between those two? Though? Screaming into the void, you know, and and being screamed back at. What what what's up with the, all of Mac, that? Mac, the difference. Just to clarify, the difference between what two? Between loneliness and solitude. That was the first thing. Sure. That yeah. So, um, to just to mark the distinction, I follow I follow a rent here, um, whereas my my understanding of loneliness differs from what she says about loneliness um, in its intensity and its brutality. Um, and also in the fact that like, I think that loneliness has become uh, a characteristic feature of culture separate from, uh, as she theorized it, you know, the experience of living under an authoritarian regime. Um, I, I still follow her basic distinction that loneliness is a, is a sense of, um, uh, it's a sense of isolation that you experience when you have been deserted, even by the company of your own self. Um, it's, as I said before, it's a sense of the self's own inadequacy to itself, meaning that like, it's the awareness that you have when you are, when you are by yourself, that there is something missing from yourself that could be completed possibly by the presence of another. Uh, and I, just real quick, I think that we can understand solitude in contradistinction from this as uh, simply the experience of being alone, of being in isolation, of being by oneself. Go ahead. Tell me if this is too simplistic, but like the way I interpret that is loneliness is something that happens without you in charge, but solitude is something that you decide you want to do as like something that is, is, um, it's a choice that you make to be in solitude, whereas loneliness is not, not in like no one wants to be lonely. Or is that too? Simple? It can be, and it, there is there is a certain tradition within the Western philosophic tradition that would claim loneliness that way. I'm thinking specifically about Thoreau, um, a writer a writer whom I admire greatly, uh, who like a rent sees sees solitude as the precondition for you know, the activity of thought. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's Zarathustra going up into the fucking mountains, right? It's, it's, it's the, the deliberate decision of the individual to, to leave society, to leave the common world, um, in order to think by herself. Yeah. It's Yoda fucking. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Yoda hanging out in, in Dagobah. Um, but to to Jonah's point, it it doesn't have to be voluntary. Solitude can also be something that happens to us involuntarily, and that's that's crucial for for my argument here, 
because of the potentiality of, you know, of loneliness to pivot into, or sorry, the potentiality of solitude to pivot into loneliness. Sure. And I, I would like, I think, you know, we, 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 we compared a, a few notes before, before recording this podcast. And like, I think something that really struck me and that I would not want to allow to just sort of fall by the wayside is, uh, the degree to which, you know, um, seeking solitude is, is, is tantamount to, uh, uh, to sort of, uh, uh, I don't know. It's almost like sort of quasi socially suicidal, um, in the current space. And like, and I think that's why, where the meta commentary becomes really interesting, which is like, um, seeking solitude is very difficult to do these days and why because we're encouraged to listen to podcasts constantly and to incur into uh you know um learn and um well i think engage constantly in a dialogue and i think um there's no space for a sort of uh just an interiority um i yeah, I mean, I the only Continue, thing, please. just because, like, this was, and I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Ryan, but it's of real course. quick. It's just that I've been thinking about this, and I think to what you were saying, I guess my hiccup is that um, when you're listening to a podcast, even if you're alone, I don't, that's not being solitary to me, right? That's totally. still, you're lonely, but you're not solitary, where it's like, by, and like by just, definition, by definition, I agree with you. Right, and I think that, like, but, I don't not to get too like soppy and shit, but like I think it, this is something that I think about a lot, and you know I I'm like 26 years old or whatever, and like a semi professional, even though I'm a shithead. Um, when I was a fucking you're the you most know, professional younger person till not even that recently, like I had like a lot of crippling social problems, and a lot yes. of it like stemmed, not all of it, but like a big part of it. Uh, now that I'm older and have reflected stemmed from not being able to have time to like listen to my own self. Right. Yeah. It, yes. That Your is internal so voice. Important. And like, I do the podcast thing just like all you guys do. Right. Like if not yeah. more than anyone for my job, but like I was talking to Joan about this off mic, the way that I've made it work so far as I do is that like, I have a very strict routine, which is in the mornings. It's like, I am like, it's like a job that I have 20 minutes of pure solitary thought. Um, and like, it's the best, honestly, usually the best 20 minutes of my day. Um, <laughs> no phone, no, it's just sitting there. And like, it is really good and so good for my brain. But I guess the reason well, why what do we make, the of, reason, what do we make well, of that? The reason I'm bringing it up is because I do that. But then after that's done, I'm like the it's, wild west. It's a in war terms of all of like against all, all. The information yeah. that comes. So like, what what is that? You know, is that just fake? Does that matter? Or like, I guess that's the question I'm asking. So is like, so, wait, restate your question again. My question is that like, if we're talking about what is the grand effect of having a society where there's just fucking infinite information and voices at you at all times, my solution has been that I carve out time to like physically insert um solitude is that enough or is it like you know is it kind of just a band-aid on a on a bigger question of that you have all these like you know things competing for your attention all the time well i think and we need we need to figure out 
or we need to at least attempt to identify what's at the root co- uh, what's at the root cause of our loneliness. Listening to podcasts in this way, I I want to pause here to say that I love podcasts. Um, this is this is despite the fact that I wanted this episode to be titled "Against Podcasts." This is not, in fact, an argument against podcasts. Um, it's perhaps an argument against the compulsive listening to podcasts that I myself have so often been guilty of, which I I think is is quite relatable. Um, shout out to any of you who are currently in the shower or taking a dump. This is or, the like make you feel guilty about yourself podcast while you're. <laughs> I know. Don't, don't feel guilty. I don't want because... you to feel guilty. I want you to listen to me when I tell you that I am not your friend, <laughs> and when I tell you that this is not a substitute. What you are doing right now, what you are listening to right now, is not a substitute for the dialogue with yourself. Right. There is a risk. There is a risk, uh, perhaps unavoidable, uh, that comes through the constant exposure to chatter, which is really what this is, if we're being honest. Yeah. The risk is the erasure of solitude, which, if we take Arendt seriously, is the precondition for the ability to think. So, Mac, as you were saying, carving out 20 minutes for yourself at the start of your day, which are truly your own, those 20 minutes... Um, that might be enough for you uh, to to get through your day and to you know perform the functions of your job very well, but it's not enough to to nurture you know what following a rent we would call the life of the mind. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain right. point, at least this is my own anxiety. At a certain point, we we risk replacing our own thoughts with the thoughts of others. We yes. repla- we risk replacing the soundless dialogue of I with myself with the noisy, chattery dialogue of other people, friends with whom we are not friends. Right. So let me ask you more about that because I feel like that's a segment in itself. Is um, not only are for what's worth, I do think that um, this is a side conversation, but I think it's kind of only a subset of people that this necessarily applies to. I think that there's, you know, like regional and like sort of class and social shit is impacted by totally. the people who are addicted to podcasts. But that notwithstanding, um, this concept of like, you know, inundated with like critique and and thought and fucking you know hot takes as someone who like a lot of of, a lot of like you know your being is like thinking critically about shit how do you feel about that and like have you noticed a difference i guess is uh like the more that you're online in your ability to make like what you think is like more unique or like original thought totally uh this is this is a great excuse to share one of my favorite anecdotes um that i think is relevant to this um the the hazard of listening to podcasts the way that i'm describing uh i think is really illustrated by uh this mom that i talked to when i was working at a barnes and noble several years ago very good um uh, back when I was like, you know, uh, a thoroughly Russia pilled lib, um, <laughs> yes, very good. real big on, real big on like pod save the whatever. And Robert Mueller, and, you were Mueller pilled. Uh, what? You were, you were Robert Mueller pilled. 
Oh, dude, I, I, so this is a story for another time, but like I was working at a, um, a really, uh, mediocre, uh, middling academic press, uh, when the Mueller report dropped and I like, I printed out all fucking like 500 pages Hell of that yeah. document <laughs> using, using, you were like, like com- company printers. Multi- I still, I still have it. <laughs> um, but that's that's another conversation. So, no, no, um, good. But you, were, you, you were saying the lady in Barnes and Noble, though. Yes. Yeah. Continue. So this this um, this mom uh, came up to the register one day when I was working. She was wearing like a you know like a Pod Save the Johns uh, sweatshirt that just said like you know friend of the Pod in large yellow uh, you know sans serif font. <laughs> yeah, Futura. And, uh, maybe. At the time, I was a big fan of the of the Johns and. So I was just, I looked at her, I was just like, friend of the pod. And um, her response was, friend of the pod. And she then said something that's been just indelibly burned into my brain. She goes, yeah, I love listening to those guys because they just, they just tell me what to think about uh, everything. That's amazing. It's just like so honest, at least. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, no, I commend her for her honesty because there's a lot of people who would say, no, I, 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 I've, I've done all the research and I've read the white papers and like, you know, honestly, com- I commend her because, I, and honestly, at times, I've said, you know, yeah, tell me what to think. I don't, I don't want to fucking think about all this shit. No, so she, she was far more honest than I was capable of being, uh, at that time, and that's, I think, why that has stayed with me. Um, but that's, that's, as someone, as someone, as someone who's inclined toward critique uh and especially because uh because my i guess my compulsive relationship with listening to podcasts emerged you know shortly after trump's election uh that that has really just stayed with me uh as i i think you know a clear a clear illustration of the dangers inherent to turning toward any any kind of media uh for you know to borrow a phrase for their thought leadership yes well like here i guess this is what's interesting to me and like here's where i will readily acknowledge certain things which is that like mac is a is a journalist like he he cashes a check from i don't know who but it it, it apparently clears gawker yes um and therefore, Lord, Lord knows whom. And you know, and I know that you, Ryan, were you you were uh, you know a, a bit of a fucking crusader for for truth and justice uh, throughout th- some some formative years. And like throughout this entire time, I was basically just like a, a, a shithead and a, and a fucker. And I and I. Uh, worked in restaurants and and so forth and and spent a lot of time you know reading on forums and so forth um but i guess the thing that i'm trying to to sort of get at is uh you know throughout this whole this whole sort of process um you know there's a a certain amount of uh of, of credibility that one can uh, speak to right. based on their like a, a linkedness to uh, you know you know institutions and and like uh, and 
you know things that like my mom would 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 know when i when i said it and i would say i would read like max writing and say hey you you should you you can trust in this because he's associated with some yeah please do please do quick real quick look at look at um Look at the reason that Pod Save America became as popular as it did. Who were the hosts? Who were the Ex hosts? Obama of, I don't know if, they, if they're still around. I don't. I don't. So the the Johns the Johns were all former Obama administration officials. Yeah, there. I mean, I, there's okay. So I hear what you're saying, but I I do think that that's only part of the thing and it doesn't really take into account like that's the case for all media right that the people who are in power are going to have an outstanding role podcasts are a little unique and and i think this is like to add on to what jonah was getting at and we've talked about this off mic but i think um what's been unique about podcasts and it goes this is my perspective but it goes to the the point that like people feel much more inherent connection um, yes to people is that podcasts anyone can do it and especially nowadays like there's you know way less trust in like established news media yeah hold on one second is like there's you know when you combine that there's um there's a whole you know arsenal of podcasts who just to cite what was said before like maybe it's not intentional but it's like that is who reliably you're getting your information from right and i think and i think and i think that like this we talked about this off mic ryan but like i i have a a a newsletter myself right like it's called the state of surveillance and it's a news newsletter right it's got opinion for sure but it is like telling the news and like apart from it just being a pain in the ass to do i i put it on hiatus partially because i've had like multiple people tell me that like they trust the shit i'm saying more than they trust like the new york times or the washington post and i'm like that why, is a, i want i want you a, i want you to explicitly state why that terrifies you yes, yeah i, I think yeah, that, why, why, yeah, why is the, that upsetting the reason why it's upsetting to me is because unlike um any sort of institution that has like a reputation to behold I don't have to correct anything. Like I can just say like the barrier for saying completely fabricated things is there's no barrier at all. Yeah, but right? would you ever do that? I can be wrong. Like this the, the thing is right. the thing is and that so like can I, the New York I, Times and they are regularly. But they, but no? they correct this but this is the thing. Like I I'm in a I guess unique position where it's like I have a mainstream job and I do the other thing. The mainstream job if there's something remotely wrong, it's corrected immediately and that's always going to be the case right. where it's like there's where on there's the other also end, it's not go ahead you know on the other end you know i would i i would like i would try to but like there's nothing holding me accountable to correct if right. i needed to right yeah. it's just you're hoping so, that that's the case so and like yeah jonah there's there's no there's no barrier right yes. there's there's no there's no uh gatekeeper between you know max id and the the publish button correct and um the new york times is fucked sure i don't Deeply i don't want fucked. anyone to mistake me uh any of any of you folks in the shower right now i don't want you to mistake me for a, a new york times apologist while th- though i though i am a, a subscriber <laughs> um there's no there's no barrier 
to publication for someone on Substack or frankly for a podcaster. Um, and while, while major news outlets do often get things wrong, um, you know, we can point to several illustrations of stories that have been misreported initially and then corrected. We can also point to several illustrations of stories that were uh, perhaps intentionally misreported and then left uncorrected. I think this podcast um, has been very clear that that's an issue. We're all aligned that like that's a no. Huge but I think the problem. point that's interested that's interesting to to make is that like certain corrections aren't made until it's 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 until certain effects have been have been have been made and Absolutely. and i think but like i i want to i want to just cut you off jonah do you do you then do you then think that like do you think that outlets that don't have that safeguard at all right outlets that are purely self-published that don't they don't have the potential for correction uh or even an incentive for it do you think that that outweighs the 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 value of having an outlet that that at least has a rigorous fact checking in place. You know, I I, I would I guess I would sort of I would uh you know it, I would skirt I would I would cheat the uh, the question by saying both have a, have a role and a function, and I think I think we all I, agree on that. Yeah. No I mean, no I no think, no. Yeah. I think everyone agrees in the abstract, but I think what in 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 the concrete people do not give anywhere near the credence do the the sort of outlets that are not subject to these sort of state or like you know these sort well, of official the sanctions that's the opposite no, argument but, we're making here that the argument to begin was that people are choosing not to read the sanctioned things because they don't trust them versus reading a completely, small thing yeah. that is like someone you are right like but i think with. like at the you end of the I mean? day when like, when shit comes to when it comes to comes to the four people are way more willing to say well the new york times said this i don't know who if are these people i and, i grant that but i i increasingly don't know if that's the case well in a lot of, i should a lot hope, of the ways. I hope you know what i mean because i think that like and in, in this is what we were going to talk about before is that like I it's the same way that people are like watching less cable news. I It increasingly seems to me that like especially for younger people that like that sort of, uh, you know, ass- assumption that like, oh, yeah, but then everyone also knows like what The New York Times said is not necessarily true. Like, I think it's like you can talk to three different people and three different people have very different like basis not interpretations or like perspectives but different baselines of facts and i that's the only the last thing i'm going to say is that like when i write my shit it's like i have no problem if like you have you come away with a different perspective but i would like you to come into that with a baseline of like understanding you know what i mean if i'm giving a perspective also that what what you're writing about mac is itself grounded in facticity so let's um let's let's do the uncomfortable thing. Let's talk about Chapo. Uh, no, no, no. He's, you Joe's said like, no. before we, we you said before we logged on that we wouldn't pull cut his mic. Cut his mic. I'm I'm a reformed little pain piggy. I no longer give my five dollars. You a don't month. give them five. Okay. Uh, Me neither. But in all seriousness, I do think that there's a conversation to be had about the role that, um, you know, the simulacum of friendship. Yeah, plays. the parasocial relationship, as it were. 
Yeah, exactly. The to, parasocial to relationship. The shop of boys. Um, yeah. Also, like for Westworth, I mean, we disagree with this a little bit off mic, but I think for people who don't listen to Chapo, the Rogan thing plays a very, a very similar type of. So uh, I was, I was about, I was about to say, there's, there's, you know, a, a germane uh, counterpart here. Um, I'm not drawing an equivalency. I want to make that point emphatically. I'm not at all drawing an equivalency between Chapo and Rogan, um, but. But I, I think I think that there that it's it's a pointed comparison that's at least fruitful to consider. So um uh Chapo brands itself as a, a satire podcast. You know, you you go there for the comedy. Um you don't necessarily go there because you want the facts and uh you know, Will, Felix, etc. know that. Um the problem obtains when you're getting your news from Chapo, and uh, there are several instances that I could point to. Um, the one that comes most readily to mind is uh, uh, their decision to report on a story about Biden falling asleep during a state meeting. Uh, I forget with whom, um, but it it was based on piece of it, yeah it was based on a piece of doctored video that is easily uh identifiable simply just through a google search not even not even through through much digging um and as someone who really goes out of his way to find excuses to laugh about joe biden i was disappointed <laughs> Uh, to find that this one didn't hold up. You're also an editor, Ryan, which is like I'm sure this is like you know this is like yeah your... no I'm I'm a weird I'm a weird editor pervert. But no I agree. Like, I, I know, I but love, I think I, I think facts. that's some I editing want things to be real. That's some editing perversion and like I agree. I mean, for us with I totally like, agree with that. I think but... as a political comedy podcast and like you know, again, I think also the whole sort of discussion is somewhat um, ancillary because like the degree the number of the the percentage of of americans who would even be able to identify a single word in any of this conversation is is vanishingly small i don't think that's true no i think it is i don't know if i agree has like 15 million people that listen right every every that's more than cable news prime time yeah like i think it's very and the chopo thing is 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 much much smaller and i but it's still no but i think there's like a there's like a lot of political scores that people are trying to settle on Twitter that are that I think they would like them to have much more gravitas or much more weight than they do. And all, all things, all things told, like, let me ask you this in a legit way in like, not if you're like in grad school or like fucking really because involved. Because I am but if you're, in grad but if, school. I'm not, like, it's I'm, not about, no, it's not about you, but I'm saying, no, no, as but like, I'm saying I am, if you are like culturally a like real deal leftist, what is like more of like a communal touchstone than Chapa? You know what I mean? Like I feel like it well, is. I a wouldn't thing. know it is a thing because that is, I like, am thing. like you're saying. Like if you're not what I am, and I'm like I am just like a I'm a I'm a I'm a computer bound, you know, sort of uh, you know, chattering class person. And like I think the thing about the whole Chapo trap house debate is like if anything, they've been proven to be inconsequential by merit of the fact of the absolute obliteration of their candidate of choice, Bernie Sanders, in the last in the last sort of political contest of of mention. 
Um, I, I, I think that's, I think that's a short-sighted take. That's an unfair. I don't know if it is. I think they sort of shot their shot and like, yeah, they have some cultural sort of staying power in, 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 in to, to an extent, but like, I think the people who are like trying to invoke, you know, the Chapo trap house, uh, you know, dirt bag left as it were are, are really like grasping at straws and it's just like that's not we've we've right. like that the, the the mission of that was they shot their shot and they lost and were like well you know show me where i feel where like that whole i feel like to project say, is, to say is, any is flexing its muscle i, feel like to I say think it's any sort of over podcast or blog didn't get their presidential election of choice is not a good benchmark for their success or not yeah can i can i just can i just say that i think that um i actually i i disagree with jonah's take here no you cannot say that you cannot say I that cut that, his mic like, cut his mic uh, i th- i think i think <laughs> that's not allowed um, that's not allowed i think i think that like chapa was instrumental in mobilizing support for sanders in was, this election and i i think that like i, I, I would actually I would actually have a, a completely opposite reading. Um, I think that like Sanders's failure as a candidate is not indicative of like the impotence of the of you know the the dirtbag left or whatever, but is in fact simply exactly what it appeared to be, which was the mobilization of like um, you know the 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 institutional party against the leftist elements. Um, and I, and I, I, I just want to say, I think that like Chapo has moved from being a political podcast to being something of a cultural phenomenon. And that's, that's what obtains here in my argument, right? Uh, the, the, the popularity that Chapo has had despite Sanders's failure as a candidate, um, is precisely what interests me. Well, it's like a th- right. It's like a thing that, like, when you wear like fucking I don't know Chubby's shorts or like a Carhartt jacket, it's it's in that territory, right? Where it's like yeah, it's like, right. It's become Which is a meme absolutely of view like no, but it's absolutely a lot of things agreed. But it's downstream from political power, and I think like yeah, it it's like maybe if it's interesting to you as a as a sort of social phenomenon, then God bless you. Like if you're a sociologist. Yeah, I think there's 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 work to be done. But like my perspective is merely that like it's you know, cultural shit comes as a is 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 an effect of political it's downstream from politics. Like the degree to which people are interested in it, well yeah, maybe I, I think that like if I mean, a lot of people well, are like non political, they end up interpreting politics through like the things they feel comfortable, which which is one hundred percent. But it's the other you know? way. Yeah, but like, it's a chicken and the egg thing and it's just like why are people interested in this stupid podcast of a bunch I think of like because it's like you know interesting talking about internet who are like gossip us who are like yeah know, good banter Be- because and, because they're funny like, because like you know they're a bunch of like bearded dudes with reedy voices who who make who you know do like arrested development style uh inside jokes right it's 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 deeply it's deeply rewarding to listen to Chapo. They're fucking hysterical. So shall we? Okay, and I, they're shall we? they're unbitten, and I think this is this is a point that I wanted to get into in this discussion. 
there's there's a commonality here between why people love listening to Chapo and why people love listening to Rogan. And it has to do with the sense of communion that you get communion, as yeah. a listener. Absolutely. Right. There's 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 a reason why, like, I can refer to myself as like a reformed pain piggy. And that like that <laughs> that means something. Right to anyone to anyone who's spent time in the Chapo in the Chapo universe. I would the only th- I agree. The only thing I would add, I don't actually think that's well, bad at all. Like I think it's a I, kind of a good thing. I think I think that it's time. what it's why it's only bad if like there's no other reference point with which you got there. Right? Like I guess that's well, the, my my yeah. Hold on, well, just give me one second. No, 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 where it's like it's it's like if. Not to simplify it, but if you are getting your straight dope from these places, that's the problem. If you're coming into it with the knowledge and then you're getting your community, that's a good thing and a really nice thing when we live in a society that's really fractured. But I, it reminds me, and you can take this at its word or not, but this is what Jon Stewart said before he left The Daily Show. <laughs> um, back in the- Dude, you, you, just, you just anticipated what I was about to say. Go ahead. This is what he said before he left the Daily Show was that um, basically the fact that there was a bunch of polls that came out before he left that said that most people who watched the Daily Show used it as their main source of news. And he was like, that's not what I'm trying to do. And he was like, fuck this. I'm out like that's I'm you know, I'm I'm making jokes about the like it only works. if You have the pre contact like you have to have the thing to critique in order to do the critique if you're like totally. using the critique as the news it 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 gets in it's just it becomes right, yeah. weird as fuck like there's, there's there's a dialectical relationship between critique and the thing itself and if if you are relying only on one half of the dialectic you're out of balance you're not you're not actually getting informed you're you're simply consuming it yeah i can say this about rogan for sure because i listen to more of him than chapo this is a hundred percent true where it's like he does the thing that's like play both cards where it's like he'll be like i'm a comedian i'm the don't listen to me i'm like a cage fight you know commentator but then he will also you know go on long diatribes about his political preferences and like if you're a dude that just listens to rogan that's fucking confusing you're like you're like oh this is like what is the thing but then he's also like, yeah, but like if there's a problem with it, don't listen to me because I'm not a reliable source. That's not like I feel like that's kind of what you were getting at before, where it's like at a certain point, you do have to kind of pick a lane where it's like, are you a joke or are you telling the straight shit? And also like, I don't know, like just be honest with your fucking listeners. Well, I think it's a bit of a strange position in the first place to be in where we're in like, you know, one who is just like, you know sort of uh inveighing against this or that aspect of modern life has to like you know come down on on a side and like decide where they are in the in in the discourse you know i mean i think the podcast or the listener in that the example? podcast like I feel like if you're the size of Chapo or Rogan, you do though. That, I guess that's my no, but I think you make I think you you make the road by walking. Like I think everyone's clear on what your perspective is, and I think like there's a there's a sort of unspoken. Uh, I don't know if that's true. That no, but like people are definitely not clear. On well, if you listen, then you'll 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 form your own opinion. But I think the point I, is I, that I feel like there's sorry, like a, I've, as as an avid Chapo listener, I feel like the the perspective of the podcast is often multivocal 
and in and inconsistent with itself i think that it actually uh if if anything i think that it is in fact a comedy podcast um that's you know the only way to explain a claim that like you know barack obama is the uh the true villain of the 21st century which is a legitimate thing and i that, i subscribe um, to that view that like you know the the uh that at least like Matt Chrisman argued on the podcast, which I I think is a wild take. So what do you do with that though? Is my question is like, if you acknowledge that I it think is you should a comedy take it podcast, as, as, no, you should take it as a as, as a, you know, use your, your, use your, your, your ability to suss out, um, joke from, from, you know, earnest position and take okay. the information as it, as it is. And fair enough, but it's clear that a lot of people aren't doing that. No, but I that's, that's moralizing. That's my, no, that's but this is where you get into. Though, no, but that's that, where like, you get into. Like, with, is it just? It's a fair point to say. You well, do that's nothing. like, what do you like, do with okay, kids playing? Okay. What do you? Like, what do you do, you do with do kids playing violent video games, Mac? Like, I don't think I don't do anything. I let them fucking play. Precisely my. That's precisely it. I don't think that's an app comparison though, because like you have ESRB ratings and shit like. Should, should, you're saying there should be I'm not ESRB saying, ratings I'm, on podcasts. I'm saying it's like okay to say there's nothing to be done, but I'm just saying what nothing is to be that done. You, th- you think there's nothing to be done? There's nothing. Yeah, to be done. I like mean, let people have their own fucking views and opinions. But that's like, not. But it's that's the whole point. Is that it's not their own views and opinions. It's the views and opinions of someone that they feel attached to that they're not going to second guess because it's in a delivery think, mechanism minim- and like think, a, and like a very. Know. I listen, man. I, 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 that I, just seems very satanic panic. That just seems like a very, like, kind of, uh, um, you, let me, maybe let's come up from a different angle because I feel like I missed the point. So, no, but I just think, like, you're, you're not giving people the agency which with they consumed, <laughs> uh, you know, Alice Cooper and Kiss and so forth. Like, well, that people thought, no, it's going to go over their head. The irony is too much for them. They're going to become Satan worshipers. It's just like they're not going to become Maoists or fair. whatever the would fuck. You not, like, would you, would you, okay, I guess like we all, at, we all have iPhones and TikToks. Come like, out no from a different point of view, then I guess. Not a big deal. Is, do you agree or disagree? Dude, we all we all love Dasha on Succession. We yeah, love her. Yeah, precisely. That's, that's what has stopped me from being radicalized. Yeah. I, I yeah, anyway, I I think we're going to agree disagree on this, so it's not worth going too far in, but I I I do um I guess like the only thing I would say is I think there's um you know, it's people are less willing in general to question or be skeptical of like the things that are said from people that they trust right and i think that like, i don't i don't i think i might i i agree with you but i think i might formulate it differently which is to say i i think that like i'm more inclined to formulate it positively rather than negative negatively i think that like i would simply say that like um people people are more susceptible to agree with uh with points of view when they come from outlets that they trust and i think that the 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 um simulacrum of friendship that you know that we've talked about that occurs with chapo and other similar podcasts um and that comes from you know the the whole rogan uh shit storm i think that like people are more susceptible to 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 adopt those opinions as their own without question 
um, because they substitute the idea of authority with the idea of friendship. Yeah, hundred percent. That makes any sense. That's, that's a much more elegant way of saying what I was trying to get at, and I, I think that's not good. And like, and to what me and Jonah talked about this off mic is like, because that's not good doesn't mean that like what was there before, which was like everyone watches NBC and Walter Cronkite is good either they're both bad but i think my my point is that they're both bad but they're different and i don't think this is better and i think it's you know the i the, the, i've talked about I, I i tried to find ways with my older siblings how to or parents and uncles how to describe this situation we live in now and i don't know if this makes sense but basically like how in the early 2000s there was like you know you either watched fox news or cnn and you had your own disparate realities now there's disparate realities but there's like hundreds of them i i find every every everyone i find that like a lot of people i know are just like kind of coming from very different basis of fact you know i think it's very specific i would say the following which is that a that is a classic reaping and sowing situation where everyone believes their own little fairy fucking godmother situation of reality and that's because you had like a situation wherein people got on the news and they said this is the case and then everyone kind of was in was in the pocket and then it became absolutely clear that that was not true and we were being lied to i mean but is there 200 versions of reality i get that there may be a no it's not, i'm not saying that it's necessarily well I think, uh, you know, this is this gets very fucking semantic and interesting. But I think to, to the extent that you want to have just like crude outlines of what what works and what doesn't work insofar as reality is concerned, I think we really shit the bed when we said, uh, you know, we're invading Iraq because they have nuclear bombs and then they just full on didn't and we were lying. Um, and we, we were we shaking knew, we, and so Colin Powell just, was just shaking. As, uh, because I'm, I'm older than both of you. Uh, I'm actually 738 rank, but, years um, old. And I'm a vampire. We 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 knew that that was bullshit when it happened. We that's 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 a point that shouldn't be lost to history. We knew we knew that Iraq didn't have WMD when we invaded. We knew that because, uh, despite what Colin Powell said before the UN, the UN sent uh an inspector to go look for them and came back and the inspector's report said that there was no wmd well yes that's why like and france we, and did we, not join we, the coalition we fucking did it anyway and all of the mainstream media outlets that you can think of mobilized in support of the war effort and that's 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 hell from an informational standpoint. I think that's yeah. also relevant right now with this sort of, I mean, not to draw one-to-one comparisons because it is substantially different, but I think insofar as the whole Ukraine war situation goes, like, there's a, we really know very little factually, and there's a lot of fucking consensus about how, you know, uh, every, every granny wielding an AK-47 is like, uh, a sort of a freedom fighter. Totally. Or, or I saw, you know, I saw Nancy Pelosi on MSNBC uh, yesterday or the day before uh, talking about how Putin probably has cancer. And that's yeah, causing... exactly, exactly. It's just, it's, it's, it's noise. It's just noise. And like, of course, of course, Pelosi was referring to like the Ukraine throughout the entire interview, <laughs> Very good. which is so fucking telling. And, in light of like going down an entire thing about the Ukraine shit, which will take too much time there. 
with you being on the podcast and like related to what we were saying before and that of, you know, is it even worth like defining what the truth is if there's like all these different like, you know, reasons with which to believe something and perspectives? I think it's relevant that you're here, right? Because you have been an editor, Ryan, right? Like, you have been the last person that like approves something that goes to publish and like you're the one that gets like your ass on the wall if it's fucking wrong i think it's relevant to ask like how do you measure this right because it's like i it it seems like just working for you that your standards are like a lot higher than a lot of these places that we were just like talking about and like does that you know what do you like how does that factor in right because i feel like you you very clearly understand like what the you know what the what yeah. the standard is so um this this might sound this might sound a little extreme but i i i do genuinely believe this um and an editor lives or dies with uh with the words that they publish um when i was editing you mac i i knew that uh that i i was you know, not, not to overstate things, but I knew that I was, you know, the last line of defense, uh, between words that were written and what people read when they got them. I knew that any inaccuracy, uh, that we published was ultimately my responsibility. And I took that responsibility very seriously. I don't think that most editors do this. You're probably Um, right. I think, I think that, I think that most editors, um, I could be wrong, but I think that most editors are far more egotistical than I am. Um, they're far more concerned with, uh, you know, sort of like making making their own imprint felt um, in the sound of the the language that gets published. Uh, there are several good editors out there who who do take this responsibility seriously, but at the end of the day. Um, God, I forget what I was watching recently. I was watching something with my girlfriend, uh, and um, uh, an editor in it basically was just like, you know, you need to be willing to to fucking die uh, with with your your writers. And I think that that is true. Like, if you're if you're in a situation, like let's say that you're let's say that you're writing um, for. Uh, uh, you know, like the resistance journal in occupied Paris. Um, if you're, if you're going to put something to print, the stakes are that high. Your name is also on the line. If you're going to co to, to co-sign something that goes out. Um, and even if you're not facing death, I think that like, you still need to take seriously the fact that like, as an editor, you are just as responsible for the words that are published under your, your masthead as the person who writes them. Um, but I, but I agree with you. I think that like, um, you can look, you can look immediately at the New York times, uh, for examples where, um, I don't know. I love, I love the, uh, the Sarah Palin, uh, uh, court case that was just settled, um, or just, I guess, dismissed, uh, where, what's his name the uh the editor um if if you if you actually read into the case um what whatever his name was overstepped wildly 
his role as an editor to impose an entire strain of argument onto this piece that the author herself had not written um, because he thought that there was a germane point to be made. And he was wrong. He was damn fucking wrong. And, you know, recognized his error several hours after it had been published, but it was too late. But that's, but I guess that's the point though, right? Is that like, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you yes. acknowledge it, right? Like that defeats the whole purpose if like you can't, like you can't, like it, it, I'm dead steadfast on that. Like you're going to make mistakes yeah, at but the all mistakes, times. But mistakes like as long as you correct it, than... it's like, that's fine. Like, it depends what your reasoning. You, you, you have you have to be able to make mistakes otherwise otherwise you you live in hell right otherwise you live in you live in the world um god i feel like i'm throwing a lot of shit toward chapo and rogan but you you live in you live in that world in which nothing has any intrinsic meaning and you can just ignore the fact that like you've you know you've you've done a um like an a segment bit about biden falling asleep during a state, uh, a state department meeting, which just wasn't true, and then you don't even, you don't even, you don't even acknowledge it. You don't even. Yeah, that's the thing is that uh, the New York I, Times, if they say something just wrong, they can't say it was a joke, right? You have to either correct it or you have to go to court for it, right? I don't know. I, I mean, I think the, they also like, skate on a lot of shit that's just patently false and just don't admit it. I mean, I think that totally. You know, well, look they at get look away at with that. Look at look at um look at you know, uh, the Times' coverage of the Sanders campaign during the 2016 primary, right? There were so many stories that were posted. Um, I can think of at least two different stories that were posted that were updated, you know, in real time that just stripped out the even-handed attempt at reporting that left them with, you know, blatant, Pro Clinton bias, and you can say, "Oh, well, we, we've re- we've 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 amended these," but who sees the fucking correction compared to who sees the original story? That's fair. And like, and and and, and who cares? And who gives a right? shit? It's, yes, it's, it's me. It's me and other like weird chuds on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, weirdos. Yeah, you're exactly right. I will say that just because you don't necessarily I just think see the correction, it is important that that's like a. Thing it is that, important like, you, that it's like, a thing, but don't. It, though, but don't right? fool yourself like, that like. I just think here's the thing, and before we get way too far afield here and 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 drag our guest into a you know some uh, some 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 swampy territory i do think it's important to realize that like the the new york times for instance as an institution is an ideological entity and like we should not treat the new york times as this the gray lady as this is like fair arbiter of fact and truth and justice. I don't think any of us are though. No, like but I think there's no, but I think they've like really this. succeeded in in achieving that. But this like this is like all of us on this podcast except for Ryan because he's this is his first time. But we've you know we've talked in multiple times about like you know the issues that the times has had. It's like you know it's it's like I feel like at, at this point everyone. Knows well, these I think problems, it's worth. I right? think it's, it's worth like, driving home because they absolutely have the status of like practically fucking ecclesiastical. For for some for some people, sure. Like my dad. Like my uh, yeah, everyone yeah, my my mom and dad and everyone who actually votes and. I just worry it's like we get in into the territory though of like eventually it's like the people who like message me and be like I 
you know, again, to what we're saying, well, like, listen, I trust Mac. your like fucking dumb newsletter more. You than decided to Times, be a, a and journalist, and that I think is you know. Well, you're you can you're, hold listen, two opinions at the same time. Let me let me let me blow your mind. Your dumb newsletter is literally more factual and less ideological than true. the New York Times. No, no it's it not. It's not true. It yeah. is. It's not. That's, I, that's, I, that's, I, that I hate to say true. it. I hate to ruin your day, it's but it 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 actually is. Wait, can I can I just can I can I do something that I've always wanted to do? Can I take a second to just like to just come for Michael Barbaro? Um, yeah, please. So, will you do the uh, voice though? One of one of the most bizarre lies that I have ever seen published was uh, around this time in 2020, uh, in the lead up to the election, is maybe a couple months later when the Times published a, a a dual profile of both Biden and Trump. That highlighted the fact that both men claimed to be teetotalers, that both men claimed to have never drunk at all in their lives. And I, I tweeted about this because, uh, you know, the beloved New York Times podcast, The Daily, ran, in, ran a, just a truly cringy, pathetic interview with this man um, sometime around Super Tuesday in, in March 2020. Uh, this guy who like lives in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, who who recounted the best night of his entire life, which was when Joe Biden came to speak at uh, at his college, uh, which was I think was American University, um, and uh, he was like the guy was the president of like the Young Democrats of campus, and. Uh, you know, he got to like meet Biden at the airport and bring him to campus and introduce him. And then afterwards, he was he like, you know, was fucking yeeting in his pants because Biden was like, do you want to get a beer? <laughs> and so together beer, they Jack? went, Biden's they, drinking they went to go get several beers at the campus pub. And Biden had so many beers that he had to call his sons on the phone to come give him a ride. And then like Bo and the the uh Hunter, like Bo and Hunter showed up and they had beers with him too. Hunter. And uh the only reason that this that I remembered this as I was reading like the New York Times story about how Biden had never had a sip of alcohol was because how fucking pathetic this this interview was. It's like he wasn't even lying for some grand, like like some Chappaquiddick style thing where he like drove <laughs> off of a road <laughs> and killed yeah, someone. Like, it was yeah. just like merely that he had to have his son like give him a ride home from from the bar for having three beers. And he was like, kill everyone who's heard this. <laughs> the Times was so like uh, unknowable to itself in that moment. And they take so seriously like the the... The fucking the the chat like uh the the you know the sacred um in entrustment of of just like buttressing power like totally you know, they take well, it like, so like, seriously how how is it possible that i a fucking nobody chud who like occasionally listens to the daily when i'm hung over and like waiting for my vivance to kick in uh, how is it possible that I notice this glaring contradiction, in fact, and the Times' professional fact-checkers who are getting paid money Dean Bakke don't pick and the up rest. on this?
Wow. He Mac would say that. Anyway, Ryan, so yeah, what's up, man? We're back. If, We're back. If we concede that loneliness is the central defining characteristic of the cultural experience of our current life, especially for those of us who grew up online, I think that the nature of the problem that I'm trying to illustrate becomes clearer. Loneliness casts a dim shadow over social interaction and enjoyment for all of us. If we were with others, we think about the fun that we should be having elsewhere. If we're alone, we struggle under the weight of how much more enjoyable what we are currently doing could be if only we were sharing it with other people. This is FOMO, exactly. It's the cultural logic of FOMO. It's it's the fucking Instagramification of lived experience. If I'm with other people, then I disavow my own loneliness and envy by saying I too am living my best life. If I'm alone, then I'm posting pictures out of my longing to satisfy some semblance of a shared experience. In either sense, the experience of my own life is filtered or mediated through loneliness. This is profoundly destructive, and I don't think that this point can be overstated. Just to reiterate from before, we define loneliness here as an acute awareness of myself's inadequacy to itself. The destructive potential of loneliness obtains in its ability to hollow out the capacity that I have to feel present and connected in my own life. It negates my enjoyment or any kind of meaning that I would find or experience. Can And can I insist, like on what you might find or experience in solitude, which is like sort of the positive form of loneliness. Like if loneliness is the, is the demon, like the, the negative form, like solitude is what when one is alone and without, you know, uh, 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 any other recourse um, to sort of uh, assuage the the the, the slings and arrows of think 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 about think about the experience that you would have if um <coughs> let's say that like <coughs> you 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 go away on a trip uh to Vermont okay, okay. I would never you do go that by yourself. but go ahead you're supposed you were supposed to go with other people but you end up going by yourself I would never do that but go ahead Lone, so, uh, okay, I would. <laughs> Lone, <laughs> Lone, Ryan, I would too. Yeah. Max that lying. Sounds nice Max lying, lying lo but go ahead. Loneliness, loneliness is precisely the, the, the point in the experience where you start posting about it, right? Where you, you, feel, you feel the need to disavow uh, how alone you feel, how isolated you feel by sharing pictures of it with others, whether through Instagram or Facebook or just, just through texting them. Um, can I do a quick interjection on that just real yeah. quick? Cause I feel like you mentioned briefly in passing about being like an introvert type of person. And I, I, I just wanted to ask because it's maybe not related to this or it is, but I feel like kind of at odds sometimes because I'm like extremely introverted, right. In like a very fundamental way. Me too. And the FOMO thing makes complete sense, right? Where it's like you like feel bad because you're alone and like you want to like connect because you're like, oh fuck, I wish I like was with other people. But I feel like on the other end, I often will be in situations where it's like it's the opposite, where it's like you'll be with other people but regret 
not being able to have the time alone. Does that make sense? Or am I like totally out of, out of, no, no, it, it, it totally does. Um, and there's this, there's this, there's this weird, there's this weird scene that I keep picturing, um, uh, based on conversations that I've had with students, especially about just like a group of, a group of people who are gathered together, um, like what watching a show or watching a movie or something, um, and all of them together are on their phones. They're all they're all simultaneously either posting about their current experience and how much fun they are having, or they are they are scrolling through the archive of fun that you know that their connections are allegedly having, and yeah, and that's and that's that's that's. I think like the most perverse aspect of this is that even, even at the moment that you are with friends, even at the moment that you are with, you know, people whom you love, uh, even at the moment when you are engaged in a shared activity, whether it's something as, as fucking simple and stupid as watching, like, I don't know, the, the, um, God, I loved it. The Netflix show about the zombies, um, the Korean show about the zombies, um, which is really good if you if you haven't seen it, it's, it's terrific. Um, even even if even if you were all together watching something together, each of you individually is parceled out, uh, you know, documenting this experience for the eyes of others, or looking for the experiences that other people are having, and measuring measuring your own engagement against that. Rather than just simply fucking being there, and um, I don't, I don't want to sound like uh, like a scold. That's the last thing that I want to come across as here. Um, I, I I said this at the out at the outset of um, of this interview. I don't want to feel. I don't. I don't want anyone listening to this to feel like I'm shaming them for listening to podcasts or to for feeling perhaps like I'm their friend or like you guys are, uh, because I do the same thing too. But rather, I I I want us to start thinking critically about the relationships that we have to these media, and and what lacks they are filling for us. Um, it's it's perhaps ill advised, but I I would like to to uh, invoke the disgraced philosopher um, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> please go ahead. Please go ahead. We've done it many times on this show. So Jesus Christ, is there is there any way to edit this so that it sounds better? I I can just keep I can just keep mentioning uh, illicit pedophiles. <laughs> So um, I was going to say I I want to evoke the uh, the disgraced philosopher Louis C.K. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hopefully, I want, I want to I, I want to evoke the the disgraced philosopher Louis C.K. Uh, who talked at one point about the role um, of what he described as the uh, the forever empty in in structuring our relationships to one another and specifically our experience of loneliness. Um, because that's what it is. There, there is a sense of this forever empty within each of us that, uh, that drives so much of this interaction that I, I think 
when when we try to figure out why it is that we listen to podcasts, why we feel compelled to listen to podcasts while we're in the shower or taking a shit, uh, why it is that we, in other words, cannot stand to be alone with ourselves for 10 minutes. It is because there is this forever empty. It is because there is this this lack that 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 at the very least we unconsciously recognize is there. What do you attribute that, that we to? need to fill? What? And to what do we attribute that? Uh it might sound trite, but I I think capitalism. I think that this is I think that this Good is answer. this is entirely the product of of life under surveillance surveillance capitalism. No, I, I agree, yeah. I mean, being I I think I think like if if you follow out if you follow out the logic of FOMO to its logical conclusions, then the destructive potential of loneliness is is readily visible. And the degree to right? which we're enjoy, all enjoyment to enjoyment becomes competitive, right? Your ability to enjoy things, your ability to enjoy your own experiences becomes competitive, meaning you measure it against uh, how much how much fun other people are having. And the value of any given experience itself is measured by what's missing from it, um, or in turn by the engagement economies of social media. I think that's fair. I, mean, I think that's and fucking it's accurate. Straight, straight um, ahead, man. I think I don't know. I the only thing it's not a disagreement at all. It's just an addition. Is is that you know, in addition to the loneliness, at least personally, I think. There is a part of like the constantly finding time to like add podcasts and to repress your thoughts. I like, you know, in a way, like in the past, like the car radios served a yeah. similar process. Like, there's a bunch of songs written about car radios, right? I was um, just listening to Chuck Berry on my way here about. Really? It really was, yeah. Dude, well, there's like uh, there's so many. I mean, the, like 21 or pilots. I think had I a... think um, Karma Police is a great example of this. If if not so much the song itself, but the music video. Yeah, I my I mean as more maybe less less esoteric and theoretical, but more like personal and emotional. I think that like it's there is a real fear. Um to really grapple with yourself that that like yourself nobody yourself as like as like as a real person and like any way that you can sort of procrastinate that away in in like a somewhat convincing manner that tells you that you're doing something good is like a defense mechanism and um maybe that's capitalism maybe it's just something else i don't know i'm not going to be prescriptive of that but like i think it is just a, a natural thing that's like you know, it's hard to fucking like grapple well, with being so critical Mac, this. Mac, I think I think that you're putting your finger right on the pulse of a of a, a central problem here, which is which is uh uh twofold. The the one half is that like um there's something terrifying about uh there's something terrifying about being left alone with one's thoughts. Right. Like there's there's for at least for a lot of people, I don't want to speak for everybody, but at least for a lot of people, the idea of like, you know, just facing 3 a.m., you're entirely sober, um, you have no control over your mind and you're suddenly going to like think back to like, uh, I don't know, the shittiest thing that you said to your ex-girlfriend 10 years ago 
or the dumbest thing that you said in your eighth grade English class or, or you know, whatever. Like there, there's this parade of, of, you know, atrocities that will be trotted out. Before I feel like if it, it's like the constant like to do list that the things you didn't scratch off. It's just like thousands of them that like are like there. <laughs> yeah, um, ab- absolutely. And then, and then at the same time, um, and this isn't something that we've gotten to touch on that much in in this episode, but I think is worth at least thinking about more. Uh, the role that, like, um, you know, the the injunctions of like the grind mindset have right that you need you need to always be productive. You need to to use every every available moment of time in your life to be learning, to be bettering yourself, to be gaining information. Um, all, all, all of this comes to play in, in, you know, in terms of the forces that drive us to, to seek, to seek solace from solitude because, and this is, I guess, the crux of my argument, we mistake solitude for loneliness well, yeah, out of our fear. Yeah, and to what you were saying, though, it is like a fallacy. That it's more akin to a drug addict than it is to anything else because yeah. it's like you, even if you subscribe, I would argue that even if you subscribe to the grind hustle mindset, I, which I don't, but even if you did, doing this shit is also wrong, right? Because like in order to right. be your best self, yeah. you need to be creative, right? That's the only way you're unique. And like, instead of doing that, like it's kind of like just like doing drugs all the time. It's like, you're like fucking like, you're kind of pushing it aside um, instead of doing the thing that's I like, actually, I, I, I think, I think, I think I interpreted it a little differently, but I agree. I agree with your metaphor. I think that the, the analogy is that, um, you're like a drug addict in that you are terrified of withdrawal. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and here here withdrawal is the same thing as loneliness. You're you are terrified by the prospect of like being terrorized by your own thoughts. Um Yeah. Yeah, cuz it hurts. It does it does it it definitely does like hurt. Like I every time I've like done like and I've done it a bunch, I feel like all of us have is like the binge of whether it's podcasts or like, you know, media or, or Twitter or whatever it is, it's like, it kind of sucks. You know, it's like, it does, it does, yeah. it does feel kind of shitty because it's just like a thing that you've incorporated into your routine, right? Um, yeah. Well, what, what, what do we do then? What do we do in the quiet moments that we have alone with ourselves? Well, I think here's what I would say, which is that like, what do we do is like, the only way one addresses that question is by first carving those moments out. Like the only way that we have human creativity is our only, like it's, 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 it's cheap, but that's the only answer. And the only way, and, but I think like we should not over, I think we should not, we shouldn't underestimate ourselves, but we shouldn't overestimate our position either. Like we are really in a position where like human creativity is something that is like, profoundly uh limited or profoundly uh um obscured from what what we can do in the in the given light like you know in the given just give and take particularly now when everyone is doing so many different things what can we do what can we do it's just like literally partake in like just human and and just like human uh I don't know, fucking um, 
Yeah. I feel like just being introspective, though, is like one of the last things we have that's free. That you don't have to pay for. You don't need to have a subscription for it. It's free and you can do it anywhere. And it is makes you better than other people. You know what I mean? It's like, it's good for you. If like it's it's, it's, good, it's one of the last things you can do. That just away. like It's also easily incorporated into some fucking bullshit like yeah yeah so um if we if we turn if we turn just briefly to the psychoanalytic tradition um and we think about the role that <coughs> that <coughs> creativity plays in uh in the life of the mind for theorists like Melanie Klein for D.W. Winnicott. Um, creativity is a central experience of the self. It is, it is fundamental. It is something of which every single subject is capable. Uh, exactly. Um, and it's, it's also something that can very easily get polluted by the noise of everyday life. Um, and that's, that's, if anything, that's what we stand to lose from, from filling the interstitial moments with, you know, with the noise of podcasts. I want to, con I want to conclude uh, this episode at least by just offering as a point of reflection, a brilliant tweet from Matt Thomas Back in 2018, exactly, who simply says, the podcast is free, but your time isn't. And I'm saying, I'm saying that to you, listener. I'm saying that to each and every one of you. The podcast that you are listening to right now is free, but your time is not free. Think about that. No, I think, I think that's elegantly said, and I think that, like, so much of what we talk about it really is that where there's this like in the internet age in the age that a lot of people who listen to us have only known there is this fallacy of freeness and of like value and it's like yeah. it's it's a it's an illusion it's not right. true it's like your time is worth more than money in some cases right like you can yeah. do anything yeah. with your time that changes your life like it yeah mac why why do we unionize i mean t tell me why 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 do we fight why do we fight for unions it's because our time is worth more yeah yeah they they won't for say what it's worth listeners like, we, i'm we currently fight, on strike we fight to unionize as workers because our time is worth more then we are being waged. We ought to have the same defensive relationship to our interstitial time that we do to our laboring time. No, I, 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 no, I so agree. Yeah. That's an, an excellent point that is really in weirdly is, should be easily made, but is, is very difficult to execute. Now people you treat your I mean? time like a dirty, not to be a sexist but a dirty whore like it's like no one like you know it's just like a thing to be conquered and like with it with like the most just like you know meaningless yeah. shit but yeah. it's like no man your time is valuable you can do anything with your time and like you know you can and these people are deciding to listen to this shit i know you fucking idiots <laughs> <laughs> if you've made it this far
you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe you. You're an idiot, and I love you. <laughs> no, we do love you. That's why you keep listening. Um, um. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll try to trim it down, but goddamn, figure something else out, man. That's um, this is pretty fucking good, man. Uh, this was great. What do you um, think, Joe? This is pretty good. I mean, I'm brimming with fucking excitement and uh, and satisfaction. Ryan, how do you um, feel about your uh, first features? Hopefully, not your last, but your first features out episode. I don't think it will be. No, it uh, won't I be. don't want to. I don't want to foretell the future since it's Al, but geez, that was so stupid. Oh my god. Uh, did we did we miss um, anything? Is there anything else you want to hit well, before we? Well, even if we did, it's too late because we've been doing this for like seven and a half hours. But no, no. the The only thing, if I could drive anything home, the only thing that I would that I would say to listeners is to pause the podcast right now, uh, near the end, and listen to some music, or even better, take out your headphones. Take out your headphones and listen to whatever is going on around you. That's elegantly said. Before you do that, please like and subscribe. And also, <laughs> if you could do a five-star rating, that would be <laughs> excellent. Smash uh, that like button. <laughs> correct. Correct. Mac is correct. Um, it's true, man. Like the parasocial uh, reality is 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 a is a is a sort of um, perfidious and sinister one. Yet. All of that being said, we we are the good guys. We are the good guys. Yeah, however we want to measure it. And the degree to which we're not professional and we have no idea what we're doing is the degree to which you can trust that uh, you know, our 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 parasocial relationship with you, the listener, is uh is absolutely uh um harmless because uh Mac and I We are we are thinking this through with you. I mean, I think that's fairly. We are, fairly we are, the case. we are not, we are not experts. You, know, you are right? a thought we, leader. We that's are, how we introduce. We are not. We are. <laughs> You're what? a thought leader in your field, Ryan. Oh, I, I am not. I was fired by someone who said that I, I should. Ryan have was been. fired for, um, for leading too many thoughts at once. Anyway, we're uh, we, listeners. We're going to continue this offline uh, because we have a lot to say. But um, thank you for being with us. Yeah, dude. And uh, that was know, dope. Great time. So, Ryan, thank you so much, man. Thanks, Ryan. I'm looking looking forward to the next time. Hell Thanks, yeah. guys. Until the next one. Peace.